بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين uh, Firstly, a, a big thank you to Siri uh, Qaid and uh, the Goodwood team for the efforts that they're constantly um, putting forth the time that they're putting in for a number of different projects this being one of them and we also ask Allah to bless MCYC for being open to this idea of collaborating uh, in connection with Goodward Institute for uh, for this event we ask Allah to fill this event with his nur and barakah we ask Allah to guide all of us to forgive all of us and to gather all of us in paradise we ask Allah to help us all to make it home to make it home to Jannah us and our loved ones in terms of Surah Al-Fatiha it's Sidi uh, Qad, he, he hinted at it a little bit um, and I just want to expound upon it a little bit before moving on from there inshallah. Uh, scholars have mentioned that the Qur'an itself, it includes a summary of prior revelation, right? Books that were revealed prior to the Qur'an. The, 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 the essence of those books are contained within the Qur'an. And then the essence of the Qur'an is contained within Surah Al-Fatiha. And the essence of Surah Al-Fatiha is contained in one specific verse. You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. So just that idea, just that concept of there being so much meaning, so much breadth and depth contained within that specific ayah, you alone we worship and you alone we ask for help, is constant food for thought. It's constant food for thought. Why, why is it that there's so much that we can take from that ayah, you alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. Uh, a great scholar from our history, Ibn al-Qayyim, he wrote an entire book about that ayah. So it makes a person think that, wow, so what, what more can I learn about this ayah? And even regarding Surah Al-Fatiha, what more can I learn about the surah? And we hope and we pray that throughout our lives, Allah constantly and consistently shows us different beautiful things in connection with Surah Al-Fatiha. This surah, when we look at it from another angle, is it's not just that it's a microcosm of the Qur'an, you can also think of it as a microcosm of the entire deen. And it's no coincidence that right from the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha, you have different opinions. Right from the beginning. And when we look at this surah from different angles, especially when you take into consideration this concept of there being different valid opinions regarding different things, what should happen is that it causes the heart of the believer, the heart of that person to grow and expand and to flourish, to appreciate the different opinions, not to go and attack them. Right? What do I mean by the beginning of the surah? From the beginning of the surah, right off the bat, we have different opinions regarding the basmalah. One opinion, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, is that it is part of Surah Al-Fatiha, that it is an ayah, and another opinion is that it's not an ayah. Now either way, we have seven ayahs in Surah Al-Fatiha regardless of which opinion somebody follows, prefers, or understands. If the basmala is included, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, if that is ayah number one, then at the end of the surah, you have a longer ayah. Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim ghayril maghdubi alayhim waladdalleen After which we say ameen. Right, so that would be ayah seven. Now if the, the basmala is not considered an ayah, and if somebody considers Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen to be ayah number one, then at the end of the surah, 
Ayah 6 is Sirat al ladina an'amta alayhim. End of ayah. And then ayah 7, غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ dalin. After which we say, Ameen. So from the beginning, we have different opinions. Right? Is the basmala an ayah or not? And even if it's not necessarily considered an ayah, even then, it's still good if somebody recites it. So there's even the, the, the opinion that, okay, it may not necessarily be an ayah, but you should still say it quietly to yourself, and then you begin if it's an audible prayer. For example, Aisha prayer, like we just prayed right now, we ask Allah to accept our prayer. You would still say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Ar-Rajim, quietly to yourself, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, quietly to yourself. And then out loud, you would start with, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So, that, so one approach is you say the basmala out loud as well as the rest of it. Another approach is you say the basmala quietly and then you start reciting out loud with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Another approach is you begin your prayer, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, and you just you jump straight to it. This opinion is found within the Maliki Madhab. Right? One of the important things for us to keep in mind when we learn these different opinions is not to go and attack someone because they follow a different valid opinion but to have the maturity and to have the, the, the breadth and depth within our hearts and chests to be pleasant, kind, and respectful with other people following other valid opinions. Right? So the importance of embodying rahmah and respecting other valid opinions is contained within Surah Al-Fatiha from various angles. One angle is from the beginning. Another angle, so I'm mentioning this because as we learn more what should happen as you water a fruit tree more, it should bear more fruit. It should be healthier and produce more good. So as we learn more, we should bear more fruit and we should also, as a result of bearing that fruit on our branches, what should happen is those branches become lower to the ground and our character should be filled with more humility. So it's not that we learn more, we, be, we become more arrogant. The opposite should, should happen. It doesn't always happen, but it should happen. When we learn more, we become more respectful of other opinions, and we become more, more humble in our own character when dealing with people we know as well as people, as well as people we don't know. And the more a person takes time and puts in the effort to study more about our deen, about Qur'an, especially about fiqh, you notice there are different opinions on virtually everything. So what should happen is I should constantly reflect and think that, okay, if I see someone doing something that may be a little bit different than what I grew up with and wherever I grew up, before going and automatically correcting them, let me go and study a little bit more. And Surah Al-Fatiha is a very good place for us to start. The only difference of opinion, whether an ayah is considered an ayah or not, in the entire Qur'an, from A to Z, from alif taya, from beginning to end, is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Everything else is agreed upon, but for that, is that part of it or not? So from the beginning, especially within America, within California, within Sacramento County, within Elk Grove, within this masjid here, alhamdulillah, right, it's very diverse. So we should have the wisdom to understand that you know what? There are different people who do different things. Alhamdulillah. So if I pray behind someone, they say Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim out loud, I'm going to be respectful, even if I may not do that. And if I pray behind someone who does not say the Bismillah out loud, but if I usually do, I'm also going to be respectful, even if I may not do that. And we find this embodiment, the best embodiment of this is the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Right? Classic example, Banu Quraida. 
the Prophet commanded the Sahaba explicitly do not pray Asr until you get to Banu Quraydah. There were two groups. One group, they decided to pray because they saw that the time was shrinking for, for Asr. So they thought, okay, if we wait till we get there, then we're going to miss it. So we're going to pray now. What's beautiful about the whole story, there was no argument, there was no bickering, there was no disrespect. One group said, hey, we're going to pray now. The other group said, but the Prophet said not to pray till we get there. They said, yeah, but if we, if we do that, then we're going to miss it. Okay, go ahead. You guys do what you are going to do, and we're going to do what we're going to do. And they waited patiently when the Prophet caught up with them, and they explained to him what happened, that one group, they prayed, and then the other group, they waited till they got there, and then they prayed once they got there, even if they got there after the window of time, the Prophet, he gave the stamp of approval for both, The important thing, though, is the whole time, there was no fighting and back and forth and butting heads. There was kindness, there was love and respect. We're reminded of this from the very beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha, and then also at the end of Surah Al-Fatiha. Right? If somebody prays behind someone, do they say, Amin out loud? If they do, if the Imam does, but they don't, that's okay. If the Imam does not say it out loud, but that you should always say it, whether it's quietly or out loud, you, you should ideally say it, because the Prophet taught us that whoever's Amin coincides with the Amin of the angels, then all of their past sins are forgiven. So it's like if, if you, take an, you, you take a really, really important exam at school, and you have a hundred questions, each one is worth one point, and then all the way at the end, you have one extra credit question that's worth 50 points, but it's a really easy question. You don't have to do it, but if you do it, especially if it's easy, and there's a whole, you do the cost-benefit analysis, right? what's the cost? It's very tiny. What's the benefit? It's huge. Everyone in their right mind is going to do that. The difference of opinion, and it's a valid difference of opinion, and there's evidence for both and proof for both. Do you say, I mean, out loud? Do you say, I mean, quietly? Across the spectrum, you should still say it, but no one should go and bicker with anyone else, right? There should be kindness, love, and respect. So from the beginning of Fatiha, you have different opinions. At the end of Surah Al-Fatiha, you have different opinions. What should happen is we take lessons from this surah and we embody them, especially Rahmah. The one quality of Allah Azza wa Jal that's emphasized in this surah more than any other, especially if you include the Basmalah as an ayah, is Rahmah. Bismillah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So if you include the Basmalah within the first three ayahs, Rahmah, mercy, compassion, kindness, is mentioned four times within the first three ayahs. And even if the Basmalah is not included, you have ayah number one, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, then ayah number two, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Right? So between these two names, Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim, mercy is covered from every angle. Regarding dunya, regarding akhirah, regarding those who believe, those who don't, their mercy is covered. All the bases are covered between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim. And we ask Allah to fill our hearts with mercy so we can show mercy towards others in hopes that Allah shows us mercy. Whoever, the Prophet taught us both ways are true. Ar-Rahimun yarhamuhum ar-Rahman, irhamu man fil ard yarhamkum, aw yarhamukum man fil sama. Those who show mercy, then the most merciful will show them mercy. Show mercy to those on earth, and the one in heaven will show you mercy. So the Prophet is teaching us, والسلام, that you know, there, there are two things to consider. One, how are we treating other people? And then two, how do we want Allah to treat us? Right? So that's on one hand. That, so you have the carrot, but then there's also the stick. Man la yarham la yurham. Whoever does not show mercy will not be shown mercy.
So if we do produce good, we'll receive good. And if we don't produce good, then we're not going to receive good. So we, we, we have this, we're, we're in the middle and we have to decide, do we want to go in one direction or the other? We ask Allah to fill our hearts and our character with mercy. And we ask Allah the most merciful to shower his mercy upon us in this life and the next. Amir Rabbil Alameen. Let's dive in a little bit more uh, regarding Surah Al-Fatiha specifically. From the, the, from the onset, when you look at this surah and you look at the different names of the surah, from the get-go, you recognize this has to be, even if you don't know that much about it, it has to be a special surah. Because historically, linguistically, in any language, in any culture, right, in Malaysia, if you have a special kind of food, it's probably going to have, you're going to have different types of that food, probably different names, different details, different nuances. Because if there's anything in any culture, if there's a culture where cattle are extremely important, they're going to have different detailed names for different types of cattle. This color, you know, when the whole, when, when, when uh, uh, the whole animal is this color, there's a name. If the whole animal is this color, but then there's a little bit, a speck of another color, it has a totally different name. You find this in, in, in any culture, in any language. Right? When something is important, when there's significance, you have a lot of terminology in connection with that. So when, when you look at our deen, when you look at the Qur'an, when you look at Islam, the Prophet, he taught us, والسلام, about the, the, the famous 99 names of Allah Azza wa Right? Just that number off the bat indicates like this is really important. In general, in this language, in this religion, right? this, this is something that's, that's highly emphasized. Surah Al-Fatiha also has a number of different names. It's known as Al-Shifa, the cure. It's known as, of course, Al-Fatiha, the opening. It's known as As-Salah, right? The prayer because the Prophet, والسلام, you have a hadith Qudsi in which the Prophet said that Allah Azza wa said that I've divided uh, uh, the prayer between, in two halves between me and my servant. And when my servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, then you have a response from Allah. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, there's a response from Allah. That hadith, by the way, is also one of the proofs that's used that, okay, look at that hadith. It indicates that ayah one is alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. But then you have another hadith from Umm Salama. When the Prophet would pray, he would recite, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, it's all good, right? Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, Neapolitan, alhamdulillah. We just want the ice cream of Jannah. We want the ice cream of the Qur'an to help us get to Jannah, inshaAllah. So right from the beginning, if you notice that there are different, different names, right, especially for a surah, there has to be you know, more that's worth looking into, inshallah. When we look at, if we include the basmala as ayah one, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The Prophet taught us, والسلام, that anything of significance that does not begin with, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, is going to be cut off. It's going to be cut off from Allah's blessing. It's, going to, it's, going, it's not going to be whole, it's not going to be complete, it's not going to be healthy. So right from the beginning we have, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, it, it could be translated as the most gracious, the most merciful. Here Mufti Taqi Osmani, he translated it as with the name of Allah, the All-Merciful, the Very Merciful. And what's interesting about it, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, what, what is Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim? It's in connection with what? It's supposed to be in connection with our intention. As we approach this Qur'an, when we begin our prayer, the intention should be for Allah, the Most Gracious, the Most Merciful, the Most Compassionate, the Most Kind. So from the beginning, you find 
within the basmala, rahma being stressed more than anything else. Allah did not explicitly say other names of His. Allah did not say Al-Jabbar, Al-Mutakabbir, Al-Muntaqim, Al-Aziz, so on and so forth. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. And that should be a reminder for us. When we look at the different, uh, the different you know, challenges that we have within the Muslim community, there are so many remedies that can be found within this surah known as Ash-Shifat, within Surah Al-Fatiha. A lot of youth, they don't want to go to the masjid in general because they may have had bad experiences where people were harsh with them. So for those people who are harsh with them, even if they pray a lot and they recite Qur'an a lot, they may recite Surah Al-Fatiha a lot, where's the rahmah? Because if they were harsh with someone and as a result that teenager decided, I don't want to go to the masjid anymore because being mistreated and you know someone just throwing foul character in their face and because of that they turn away, that person's responsible for that. And when you comb through the Qur'an and you look very carefully at the different ayat in which Allah heavily crit- criticizes those those who they, they prevent other people from the path of Allah, they end up in serious trouble. So if someone is consistently praying in the masjid and if they're harsh with someone, youth or otherwise, right? and if they treat them with bitter character, with harsh character, and as a result, they become a barrier between them and the house of Allah. They have to answer for that. They have to answer for lacking the rahmah in their character. So from the beginning, Allah is teaching us to prioritize mercy above and beyond anything else. A person can memorize a thousand books, but if they don't have character, then that's an issue. If they don't have humility, that's an issue. Right? A, a, a good example, a bad example uh, of this is the khawarij. The Prophet warned the Sahaba, the best generation of Muslims, that you are going to come across people when you compare your... Pr- Imagine the Sahaba, radiallahu anhum. Allah says time and time again in the Qur'an, radiallahu anhum wa radwan. Allah is pleased with them and they're pleased with Him. Allah is saying this regarding them. The Prophet is telling them, والسلام, you're going to come across people when you compare your prayer to theirs, you're going to think your prayer is very little. When you compare your fasting to theirs, you're going to think it's very little. And they're going to read Qur'an, but it will not pass their throats. So the Prophet's mentioning people that they're going to do all of these external things, but there's no rahmah. There's no rahmah. They prayed a lot, they didn't benefit from it. They fasted a lot, they didn't benefit from it. There's a lot of Qur'an, they didn't benefit from it. And, and how can we know they didn't have rahmah? Look, look at the bitter fruit they produced. They end up assassinating Sayyidina Ali in Ramadan, thinking that they're doing something righteous. They think they're doing something that's going to bring them closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. Like imagine the, 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 the level of lunacy that's needed for people to get to that point. We ask Allah to protect us from that. There were good deeds being done externally, but there was no rahmah. There was no mercy. So when we come across the surah, every time we come across it, the main reminder for us is the importance of mercy, the importance of Rahman that's emphasized from the beginning. In the name of Allah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Ar-Rahman especially has to do with Allah's mercy in connection with this life. Ar-Rahim has to do with Allah's mercy that's specially connected to the next life. وَكَانَ بِالْمُؤْمِنِينَ رَحِيمًا Ar-Rahman has to do with Allah's mercy towards all of His creation in this life. And Ar-Rahim is special mercy that Allah has for the believers on the Day of Judgment. And we ask Allah for that mercy. أَمْنِ Alameen. So. From every angle, mercy is covered when we look at these two names of Allah Azza wa Jal. 
And out of all of his names, other than Allah, the name that is emphasized the most in the Qur'an is Ar-Rahman. So Allah is telling us something. Allah is telling us something about him. Right? Ar-Rahman allama al-Qur'an. When you look at ayah number one, the entirety of ayah number one is Ar-Rahman. It's the only name that's a standalone ayah when you look at the entire Qur'an. So naturally what should happen when we connect more with Surah Al-Fatiha to become more compassionate, more merciful. Right? When we connect more with the Qur'an to become more merciful. When we, when we pray more in the masjid, when we give more sadaqah, it should translate in our hearts and our character with rahmah. And that starts at home. It starts with the spouse, it starts with the kids, it starts with, with the parents, it starts with your neighbors when you go further out, with guests, with so on and so forth. It's supposed to permeate our being. When we, if we're doing it right, Khawarij, they took a massive left turn. But the Sahaba radiallahu anhum, you fought, it's amazing how they transformed, how much they transformed, who transformed and how they transformed. When, when you look at the example of Abu Sufyan, right, it took him like 20 years to get to that point, but eventually he does become Muslim, even after fighting against the Prophet in battle multiple times. Khalid bin Walid leads a counterattack against the Muslims. Eventually, he becomes Sayfullah. He becomes the sword of Allah that's unsheathed. You have Amr ibn al-As, who chased the Muslims down to Abyssinia, was really trying to negotiate with the Najashi, with the, the king of Ethiopia at that time. And the king you know, didn't budge. He did not allow him to take the Muslims back to Mecca. What, why was he going there? Was he going there to support the Muslims? No, he wanted to round them up and take them back and, and you know, treat them horribly. Eventually, there's a change of heart. So what happened with them as a generation, the more they connected with the Qur'an, the more they spent time with the Prophet ﷺ, the more they practiced their deen, the more compassionate they became. The more compassionate they became, the more merciful they became, the more kind they became, the more generous they became. When, when you look at the great-grandson of the Prophet ﷺ, Zayn al-Abideen, when he passed away, a number of families, all of a sudden, their, 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 their financial situation, it, it dropped. They were, already, they were poor families. And at night, secretly, and they found after he passed away that he had, he had marks on his back and his shoulders because himself at night. Imagine who this is. <laughs> the great-grandson of the Prophet ﷺ is going and taking food on his back himself and leaving it in front of these families. So he knew who was in need and he did something about it so he would help them. And they didn't know who was going and helping them. They didn't know until he passed away. All of a sudden he passed away. Then whoever that mysterious person was that was helping out all these families with food, with their bare essentials, he passes away and then it stops. And they find that he had these, these marks on his back. This wasn't just a book to memorize, which is beautiful within itself, but the purpose of it is to transform the heart and character of a person. It's better for a person to memorize Surah Al-Fatiha and the last 10 surahs, to understand them, and to practice them, to be transformed by them for the better. It's better for someone to be in that boat as opposed to somebody who may memorize the entire Qur'an, but then they don't do anything. Maybe, the, maybe it actually goes south where they become more judgmental, more harsh, and, and more critical of everyone else 
but then not of themselves. That, that's not what's supposed to happen. From the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha, mercy. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise and thanks belongs to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Again, ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. The most gracious, the most merciful. Maliki yawm din The master of the day of judgment. And here we have, we have a, a, a beautiful wrinkle. You have Maliki yawm din and you also have Maliki yawm din Maliki Yomadin, when you have the, 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 this tiny mark, there's so much contained within this tiny mark. There's a lot of, a lot of meaning. Maliki Yomadin means Allah is the owner of the Day of Judgment. Maliki Yomadin, He's the King of the Day of Judgment. And between right, the, these two understandings, there's a lot of wisdom. Maliki Yomadin, Allah is the owner of the Day of Judgment. Think of a store owner. They're going to know all the details, what goes on aisle one and two and three. The king has no idea. They couldn't care less. But for the owner of that store, that is their livelihood. They know all of the tiny details. They know exactly how much every item is. And should it be $3.99 or $0.98 cents or $0.97? Cents? Because the ending, right, whatever, whatever number it is, is an indication. How soon do we have to you know, put on clearance and move on from it completely? They're going to know all of these details. Allah knows all of those details in connection with all of us, of course. And this is connected with the Day of Judgment. Maliki Yomadin. Allah is the owner of the Day of Judgment. Regarding the small things, Allah knows about all of those little things that we do for better and for worse. And then Maliki Yomadin. Allah is the king of the Day of Judgment, even regarding the, 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 the greater affairs, right? The bigger things, the more major things. Allah knows all the little minor things and Allah knows all the major things that we do as well, for better or for worse. We hope and we pray that Allah accepts the good deeds that we do, the big and the small, and that Allah forgives our mistakes, the big and the small. You also notice up until this point, this pendulum swinging back and forth. Right? You have the, the uh, if you start with the basmala, it's jamali, right? It's beautiful. It shows the, 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 the beauty of Allah Azza wa Jal. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allah is the Lord of the worlds. Allah is the master of the worlds, of all of creation. So you can think of that as jalali. So the pendulum swings. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, the most merciful. So that, that's, that's beauty. Jamali, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, is Jalali, is the authority, the, 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 the lordship of Allah Azza wa Jal. And then it goes back again, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. It's Jamali, it's beautiful. Maliki Yawmuddin, it's majestic. There's the majesty of Allah. So even from the beginning, you have this balance going back and forth, back and forth. Maliki Yawmuddin, Iyaka Na'budu wa Iyaka Nasta'een. If you consider the, the, uh, the first ayah to be, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, and you have seven ayahs, either way, but if you start there, then in the middle, for ayah four, you have which is really profound. So if you start with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, ayah one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then that's ayah four, then smack in the middle is that ayah that has so much meaning in connection with it. You also notice something here, and this ties in with how we teach deen to our kids. Especially our kids. When you look at the beginning of Surah Al-Fatiha, it's about who Allah is. It's about who Allah is. Bismillah, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Maliki Yawmuddin. And then you find a pivot. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'in. It goes about who Allah is. Allah is the most gracious. Allah is the most merciful. Allah is the master of the day of judgment. 
And then it transitions, you alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. So we can't just expect our kids to get to the point where they're embodying if they don't know who Allah is. First, we should teach them who Allah is, not just with our words, that's the easy part, but embodying it, trying to live rahmah, trying to live this kindness and generosity as best we can. That needs to happen first for them to learn who Allah is. And then when they're ready, then they will get to the point. So the, the linguistically, it, it goes, uh, uh, it goes from, from absent to present. No one is saying that Allah Azza wa is absent, but it's in the first few ayahs, it's talking about Allah, but then there's the transition, where it's a direct statement, you alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. But the prerequisite, learn who Allah is, and then it'll lead a person to worshiping Him alone and asking Him alone. اِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ Guide us down the straight path. And what's beautiful about this, we're reminded of the importance of community, the importance of jama'ah. Because even if someone is praying alone, do you still say ihdina or do you, or do you change it? Ihdina means guide us down the straight path. Ahmed, if you're praying alone, then what do you say? If you're at home praying by, you still say what? You still say guide us down the straight path. Why would you still say guide us down the straight path if you're praying by yourself? Why do you think that is? Okay, good. So the Amin at the end is in connection with that dua. And also, and also um, the angels are around you as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just be by yourself. There's always an angel around you. You deserve some Sour Patch, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Jazakallah khair. Beautiful point. I wasn't even thinking about that. Beautiful point. May Allah reward you and bless bless your family. Catch, mashallah. All right, yes, sir. What for her? She has to answer a question. <laughs> okay, Baba can answer a question and then she can get the candy. <laughs> You'll get one just for cuteness. Can, can I throw it your way? Okay, mashallah. May Allah protect your kids always. You know, just out of rahmah, just you know, take it. It's it's okay. It's free. Alhamdulillah, Ahmed, for you it's free too. MashaAllah, see, all, now they're coming <laughs> out of the woodworks. MashaAllah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I was waiting to see who's going to stick around and who's going to leave. MashaAllah. And see, right, right away. MashaAllah, two more walk in, two more. MashaAllah, we're, we're coming to a, a close and I will have some questions for you guys. Guide us down the straight path. So even if you're praying alone, you're still saying guide us down the straight path. There should be this constant concern for the community. And as Sheikh Ahmed mentioned, it also ties in with when we say Amin, we're saying Amin to this. Guide us down the straight path. And then we have more details. And it's interesting to note. So we have um, guide us down the straight path. And then what's emphasized after that is people. Allah didn't just give us the Qur'an in and of itself, by itself. Allah gave us the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Allah gave us the, the, the Prophet ﷺ who embodied the Qur'an, who, who taught us what it means to live the Qur'an. So it, it wasn't just the, the, the book was sent, but the book and the teacher. And the Prophet said, I was sent as a teacher ﷺ. So when, when we look at this dua, guide us down the straight path, the path of those, right? So the importance 
of appreciation, especially, uh, especially for the Prophet himself, والسلام, the Prophets and Messengers in general, and those who, who, who are also, when, when you look at, this also connects with uh, Surah An-Nisat, I think it's Ayah 69, uh, in which Allah mentions these four different groups. The four different groups, Ma'an help me out. Yes? Uh, one more, one more. If we have any hope, it's probably the fourth one. If we have any hope. Huh? Salihin, mashaAllah. So the prophets, Ma'an Wasiddiqeen, the truthful, Washuhada, the martyrs, and the fourth one, Wasalihin. And the righteous, وَحَسُنَا أُولَٰئِكَ رَفِيقًا What amazing company to be in. So when we're asking Allah, سِرَاطَ الَّذِينَ أَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ There's A, B, C, and D. If we're lucky, maybe we get like halfway to D, right? If, if we're lucky, and if not, we can at least be with them, and then hopefully uh, we end up being you know, absorbed in good company just by being around uh, the right people. Because as we know from another Hadith Qudsi that you know, there are gatherings, and we hope and we pray that this is one of them when people, they're there. And, you know, the angels, afterwards the angels, they, there's this beautiful uh, dialogue with Allah Azza wa Jal. And, and uh, Allah asked them, like, you know, what, what were they asking me for and, you know, seeking protection from, so on and so forth. And all the way at the end, the angels, they mentioned, but, you know, there is this one person with them who's not a good person. They're forgiven as well. Because nobody will be let down from being in their company. We ask Allah to make us from among them and to, to gather us with the right company. Guide us down the straight path, the straight path of those who you have bestowed your favor upon, your grace upon. Not of those who have earned your anger. At the beginning of the surah, Allah's mercy is emphasized. So I have a question. I have a question for the youth. At the beginning of the surah, Allah's mercy is emphasized multiple times. But then here, Allah mentions that there are some people who earned His anger. How can we understand these two concepts at the same time? Allah is merciful, but then there are still some people who Allah may get angry at. Yes, can you help me out? That was a really good explanation. That was really good. Because you, you're really emphasizing something. It's not, it's not that Allah gave them one chance and then they messed up and then okay, now like you're just in massive trouble. We should still be careful. We shouldn't you know, be lackadaisical in our approach. But you mentioned something important, right? They were given so many chances and they knew better, for this group of people, they knew better. It's not like they didn't know there was a test on Thursday and they were like sick for three weeks and then they showed up and they're like, what, we have a science test today? I had no idea. Right? For these people, these students, so to speak, they knew there was a test, but they still didn't study on purpose. You know the teacher, they smile all the time. They're not really going to fail me. Even if I don't study and play video games all the time and, you know, whatever, goof off and not take anything seriously. I don't really think that super kind, nice teacher, I don't think they're really going to fail me. So I'm just, I'll be okay. So they know there's a test, but, but they don't care. 
the knowledge is there, but they don't, they don't take action. For them, if they show up on that Thursday to take that science test, do you think they're going to pass or fail? They're going to fail. And when they fail, is it their fault or is it the fault of the teacher who's super nice and smiles all the time? It's their fault. Because why? Exactly. They knew better, but they, they just they didn't do anything about it. There's a big difference between that and another student. They know there's a test. They're really trying and studying hard and doing everything they can. And then maybe they have some struggles on the test. Right? That's very different than the student who's, who's arrogant. Right? They're just, yeah, who cares? I don't really think that you know, I'm going to have to deal with the consequences, but then that's going to happen. Right? What's going to happen? They're going to end up in a bad situation. So here... It's, it's, not, it's not a paradox. It's not a paradoxical statement when we look at Allah's mercy and then we also look at those who earned Allah's anger. Those who have incurred Allah's wrath, we ask Allah to protect us from that. So there was the knowledge but not the practice. And then those who have gone astray, there's practice but there's no knowledge. So I have another question for these. We're about to conclude soon. I have a question. This should be for those in the back who are still awake, mashallah. So, <laughs> one of them is snoring. MashaAllah, you, you never sleep this early. But, but today specifically, you happen to fall asleep, MashaAllah. My question for you guys, if somebody, because now, those who have gone astray, so they're doing things, there are actions, but there's no knowledge. You got to raise your hand. Can, can someone say that, you know, instead of praying dhuhr today, I'm going to do four somersaults, and that's going to count. Is, is, is that valid? Yahya. Why not? I mean, they're doing something, and they're doing four somersaults, four rak'ahs, and, you know, when you do a somersault, like, you know, your head kind of touches the floor, and sajdas, you know, it's, okay, fine, make it eight somersaults, because you have eight sajdas and the four rak'ahs of dhuhr, so, I mean, can, can we do that, yes or no? Okay, fine. Say Allahu Akbar before each somersault. Is that going to count? Are you going to read Quran during the somersault? Yes. <laughs> Is that going to count as dhuhr or no? Exactly. So action is still being done. MashaAllah, you almost got it. So actions are being done, but there's no knowledge to back it up. There's no basis to back it up. It's just out of left field, super random, as nothing, like what? What do somersaults have to do with dhuhr? Yeah, yeah, the next time you hear for dhuhr, please don't do somersaults. No one is going to get the joke. They're going to think, why is this guy, you know, on the side doing somersaults while we're praying? Please don't do that. What is somersaults? Yeah. Ahmed can show you at home. <laughs> uh, he, he's secretly a ninja. He knows how to do them. Okay, so... When we look at the end of the surah, it's as if Allah is telling us that there, there's so much that can be taken from everything in the surah up until that point. And if someone, as a Muslim, if they know all of this, but then there's no action. So I cannot read this surah, especially the end of it, and think, oh, you know, al-maghdubi alayhim is probably like, you know, Ad and Thamud and... You know, Fir'aun and these people, they were astray. And they, you know, uh, Allah mentions that they end up in, uh, in a bad situation. It would be irresponsible for me to go through this and think, okay, this is talking about someone else. The responsible way of connecting with this is, I need to worry about myself in a healthy way. And I need to, you know, 
cross-analyze my own heart, and ask myself, do I fit in that category in terms of the reality of my, of my situation? Do I know better, but I just don't want to be nice to people? Right? Do I know better, but I don't want to give charity? Do I know better, but I don't want to take these ideas and put them into practice? I don't really want to prepare for Judgment Day. It's inconvenient. You know, I just want to watch Netflix and eat potato chips all day. Right? So I need to think about myself first. And then, well, I can't go and do somersaults and be like, okay, خلاص, the, you know, this is going to count for Dhuhr. And then for Asr, I'm going to do back somersaults. And then, you know, for Maghrib, it doesn't, you can't go and do that. Right? So I need to... No one here is going to do that. But the idea is when we go through the Qur'an in general to reflect and think, okay, I need to ask myself, is this talking about me or not? For, not just for the positive. It's easy. Oh, mashallah, of course I'm going to end up in Jannah and Allah's going to forgive me. But even for the other side, and that's a real testament if someone's a person of Qur'an or not. Do they really honestly look at themselves when they come across the more difficult ayahs and to think sincerely, is this regarding me or not? I have a few trivia questions before we conclude. Okay, trivia question number one. How many ayahs are in Surah Al-Fatiha? You got to raise your hand. Yes, Sara. Okay, come to the front. Seven. Okay. My next question. You have to raise your hand. You can't just... And you have to wait till I finish the question. You can't just raise your hand right away. Put your hand up. Okay, my next question. What's the first ayah of Surah Al-Fatiha? Yes. MashaAllah, MashaAllah. Good. So you gave a little extra and you didn't, even, you didn't even have to. Thank you for mentioning that. My next question. What's the dua that we find in Surah Al-Fatiha? What is that dua? Yes. Ameen. So when we're saying Ameen, that's the dua we're saying Ameen to. Right? In terms of guiding us down the straight path to make us like this good group of people and not like this bad group or this other bad group. Okay, I have two pieces. So there's one whole piece and then two half pieces. My next trivia question. So two more and we'll conclude inshallah. My, now I didn't mention this. You know what? I'll just give the remaining pieces to whoever can answer this. I did not mention it. Disclaimer is given. Is this surah a Mecki surah or Medani surah? Right now people are looking at their parents. <laughs> Baba, text me. <laughs> yes. No, it's Mecki. I did it. Do, do you guys know who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> what is your final answer? You have five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. What's your answer? Correct. Come to the front, sir. It is a Mecki surah. You also have an opinion that it was revealed twice, once in Mecca, once in Medina. So technically you could have been right, sort of on the fringes, but the default understanding is that it is a Mecki surah um, and the uh, strongest opinion is that this, this was the first complete surah to be revealed. So Surah Al-Alaq has the first few ayahs to be revealed. And then you also have Surah Al-Mudathir. You have a few ayahs that were revealed.
But Surah Al-Fatiha was the first complete surah to be revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We ask Allah to reward everyone here very generously because Allah rewards the patient with no measure. All of you are very patient for being here this whole time. May Allah reward all of you without measure in this life and the next. We ask Allah to bless Goodward Institute immensely. We ask Allah to bless MCYC immensely. We ask Allah to help us to donate to Goodward Institute and to donate to MCYC because we want to keep these things going. And if we want to keep that Olympic torch uh, lit so we can pass it on to the next generation we have to invest in our institutions we has we have to invest in our masajid we have to lay that groundwork hopefully to make things easier for the next generation you don't have the tabi'in without the sahaba so we have to do our part to lay the foundation and to have a torch to pass to the next generation we ask allah to bless all of our efforts. We ask Allah to accept all of our efforts, to forgive our mistakes. We ask Allah to help all of us to be people of Qur'an. We ask Allah for good intentions and we ask Allah to accept them from us. We ask Allah to make us from among the few. We ask Allah to make us from among the grateful. We ask Allah to make us from among those who are compassionate and merciful. Ya Allah, you are the most merciful. You are the most compassionate. You are the most kind. We hope and we pray that we can be kind to others because Ya Allah, we want you to be kind to us. And we ask you to protect us from being harsh with others because we don't want you to be harsh with us. We ask you for success in this life and the next. Ya Allah, you are the master, you are the king, you are the owner of the day of judgment. Make us successful on that day. Let us be successful on that day by your grace and your mercy. You alone we worship and you alone we ask for help. We turn to you alone, Ya Allah, guide us and guide our youth. Protect us, protect our youth and protect the coming generations until the end of time. We ask you to guide us down the straight path. We ask you to guide us down the straight path, the path of those who you have bestowed your favor upon and not of those who have earned your ath your wrath nor those who have gone astray. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasna wa fi al-akhirati hasna wa kan a'adhaab al-nar. Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina aw akhtaatna. Rabbana wa la tahmil alayna isran kama hamiltahu ala alladhina min qablina. Rabbana wa la tuhammilna ma la taqata lana bihi wa'afu anna. Waghfir lana warhamna anta maulana fa'ansurna ala al-qawm al-kafirin. We ask Allah to help us to learn more about the Qur'an. We ask Allah to help us to learn more about our beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah to fill our hearts with love for the Qur'an and for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We thank Allah for the Qur'an. We thank Allah for the Prophet who embodied the Qur'an Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We ask Allah to help us to try our best to follow in his footsteps until the end of time as best we can. Amin Rabbil Alameen. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifoon. Wa salamun ala al-mursalim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu Alaikum.